0: Welcome to episode seven in the first series, The Many Facets of Forgiveness. We're going to wrap this up with talking about being angry with God for letting our child die and forgiving him. As I started thinking about what I wanted to share, I realized this topic is more than what we can tackle in just one discussion. So this is part one and we will continue it next week. I cannot offer an easy fix or a solution to this although it is very black and white. We either believe God is good and Satan is evil, or we don't. We either fear that God isn't big enough Or we have faith that he is more than enough. And the best thing I can do is not to try to convince you why forgiving God is the right thing to do or why you should stop being angry at him, but to tell you what I have learned about God in my journey here on this earth, why I still trust him and love him and follow him and why I can say he is faithful and how it has gotten me to where I am today. The first thing I wanna talk about is a misconception by many of us. We're familiar with the phrase, God is good. We tend to think it means that he doesn't let bad things happen to us. God is good, he got us the money we needed. God is good, he kept it from raining so our kids could play their soccer game or he healed someone who was in the hospital. God is so good, I passed my test, things like that. And my question is, is someone good because they let us have our own way? Or because they did something that we really liked or that we wanted? Or are they good because they make their decisions based on the big picture? I'm going to talk a lot about parenting because a lot of times we can learn a lot about God the Father through being a parent ourselves. And if I can make God do whatever I want him to do, including stepping in to stop the death of my child, then he's no longer God. He becomes a magic genie in a bottle that we can just rub and have him pop out and say, your wish is my command, what do you want me to do? And the thing is, that's not who God is. And I don't want a God who's limited to what people tell him to do. I want and I need a God who's so much bigger than that. I need a God who's so big that our minds cannot comprehend who he is and what he does and how he does it. I choose to live my life with faith in that kind of a God, a God whose love is perfect, going beyond what my mind can make sense of. If I gave my child everything he or she wanted, would they truly love me? Or would they just like me because of what I give them and what I can do for them? And that's the same in our relationship with God. It's not truly a love relationship if the only way we're going to be happy with god is if we get our own way and i i understand that the death of our child is not a trivial thing so we're going to keep talking about this but because god does love with a perfect love i believe that i don't have to walk in anger or in fear because god is with me and i know that someday i'm going to get to see the whole picture that i am blinded to right now it's interesting i was talking to my dad this morning he's actually in the hospital and he's on the it's a small hospital he's on the top fourth floor and he was looking out the window and he was talking about the view and how his view from that fourth floor window is so different than from the people who are down on the ground and that he can see all around and he can see everything when the people down on the ground only see right where they are. And I said, boy, dad, that'll preach, won't it? That, there's a lesson there. And it's so true. When we're in the middle of something, all we can see is the pain and what is immediately surrounding us. We cannot see the big picture where God is and where our child is and see what they are seeing right now. I want to talk about real quick, a lot of times there is a fear of not knowing whether your child is in heaven, especially if your child died by their own hand, suicide or a drug overdose. There are Christians, even Christian leaders that will, unfortunately, this makes me so sad and so angry, that they will try to tell you or tell people that their child isn't in heaven because they couldn't repent of their sin. And if that were the case, then all of us would die and go to hell because all of us are going to have unrepentant sin in our lives. What if I went out to eat at a buffet and I walked out and got hit by a car and I did not repent of my sin of gluttony? Does that mean I'm going to hell? What if someone has a a jealous thought and they die before they repent of that jealousy? See, all of us, I believe, are going to die with unrepentant sins in us, and the blood of Jesus covers that. When we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, our sins were totally and completely forgiven. Past, present, future sins, it's all under the blood. Yes, we repent. Yes, we tell him we're sorry when we mess up. But it's a relationship. It's like, I'm sorry, God, I, I, I messed up again. And he says, Yes, I know. Let's, I forgive you. Let's keep going. And it's not a, a repentance. And this is scriptural of, of um, where we have to grovel and repent. And if we don't say we're sorry, and we don't repent of that sin, then if we die, we're going to hell. That is crazy. And you will not find that in the Bible the other thing about whether or not our child has gone to heaven is that yes we have to cry out to him and we have to ask jesus to forgive our sins we have to we have to believe in him it says to believe in him and confess with our mouth that jesus is lord and you don't have all of the answers you don't have the whole picture once again of your child's life, even right up to that very split second of death, they could have called out to Jesus and he received them to himself. Just like the thief on the cross said, Jesus, forgive me. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Your child may have received the Lord years ago, and they didn't have the right words, the Christianese. To say, yes, I asked Jesus into my heart, or I asked Jesus to forgive my sins. There are so many things that we don't know about our child that's in their heart. Maybe they received the Lord and they're in a relationship with the Lord, but they didn't want to tell you because, for whatever reason, out of rebellion, or they didn't want to hear your reaction, or think that now all of a sudden you're going to try to make them live a certain way, or whatever. We just don't have all the information. So, I want to encourage you not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith that God's love for your child is even greater than your love for your child. And he did everything possible to make sure that your children had every opportunity to accept him before leaving this earth. So don't give into the fear that your child might not have made it into heaven. But give that fear to God and trust him that he took care of it and that your child is there waiting for you. Not having the information you want to have does not mean it did not happen at some point in their lives, okay? Some parents question that God took their child as a way of punishing them for something wrong they did in their past. Now, we just talked about our sins being under the blood of Jesus. And the thing is, if God punished us by killing our kids, we would see people falling dead, just walking down the street, because he'd be killing people everywhere for something that their parents did years ago. And that's not who God is. That's not what God does. And so if you're struggling with this belief, I'm going to ask you to please drop those chains right now, don't continue to think that God did not use the death of your child as payback for something bad that you did, some sin you committed. Would you do something as horrible as that to your own children? What kind of a loving parent would do something so devastating? Even though we may not understand it, even though we may be angry about it, even though we know that God is big enough that he could have stopped when happened. He did not use your child as a punishment against you. You did not cause your child's death by not living up to God's rules. Forgiveness is at the very core of God's being, and he is the ultimate example of forgiving. And if you are his child, through the work of Jesus on the cross, you have been fully forgiven. See, God's son, we know, was tortured and murdered and yet he forgave those who did it to him. Now, I admit, sometimes I've had the thoughts along the line of, but there was a purpose in Jesus's death, and I don't have that same thing for my child. See, he knew what was behind the cross and the greater good that was going to come from that, and I don't have that. But then I stop and think about what I do know, what I do have. I know that not only did God forgive those who murdered his son, he forgave me, because it's all my sin and my despair and hopelessness and all of my shame and anger and my dark thoughts that nailed Jesus to the execution stake that he died on. And he did that so that I could be forgiven and you could be forgiven, our children could be forgiven, and to spend our eternity in heaven with him, with each other but it wasn't just for something in the future. He did it so that I could live my life on this earth in a forgiven state so that I can live my life from a place of freedom. And he did that for you too. So we don't have to remain in our sin, in our despair, the hopelessness, like I said, the shame, the anger, the dark thoughts. See, Jesus died so that we could have life, not just in heaven someday, but a fulfilled life while we are here on earth, no matter what trials come our way, including the most difficult one of all, the death of our children. For me, it was the death of my daughter, Becca. I also know that that becca's death didn't blindside god like it did me and that becca's death was not where he reached his limit on being able to help someone get through a deep loss and tragedy it wasn't like oh laura i can't help you this is beyond me just like peter said where else could we go you have the words of life where else are we going to go i remember one time during a worship song at church i suddenly realized that if I bring God into my battle, including the battle of my fears and my darkness, then I'm going to win because it is impossible for God to lose. See, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. God has the first and final word in my life, in your life, and in the lives of our children. God has never entered a battle where he came out as the loser and he never will. So as soon as I ask God to fight for me, I know that somehow in the end, maybe not in this life, but definitely when I cross over into eternity, I will come out victorious. But the thing is, I can have that victory here. If I bring God into my pain and into my circumstance and into my battles with this grief one thing God will do for us is to help us with our thoughts and how we see things, because our perspective can change everything. I can either focus on my personal loss that Becca, my child, is permanently absent from this earth, or I can focus on the fact that Becca is absent from this earth, but she's present with the Lord. And even though the pain is intense I know that I'm going to meet up with her again in our eternal home, never to be separated again. It may not seem like it, but our perspective is a choice that we make. I can choose how I see this and how I think about it. And I strongly recommend that you choose the second perspective, saving yourself a lot of torment. Don't choose to focus on the fact that your child is permanently absent from this earth, but choose to focus on the fact that your child is present with the Lord and you will meet up with your child again, never to be separated. That is so awesome. Now, a lot of grieving parents, most of them, I'll say, deal with the question, why? We're asking why. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my child? Why didn't I see this? We had a whole podcast on on our personal grief, forgiving ourselves. And we'll ask God, why? Why did you allow this? And some will turn a corner and become okay with not knowing why. In order to go forward, we have to get to a place where we choose to trust and have faith in the only one who can answer that question, even when he doesn't answer it for us. Because I don't know of very many parents that God answers that question, why? So how do we get past the whys? Well, I see two ways. One is that we come to the place where we become weary of asking why we just give up the why question. We're so tired. We're so weary. And we just accept the fact that God sees the whole picture and sees what we cannot see. He knows what we don't know. He is in eternity. He sees beginning to end. In fact, with him, there is no beginning and there is no end. There's a thought for you. There is no end even though our child has left this earth, there is no end. They are in the other side of eternity. They are with God where there is no end. That's pretty awesome. Have you ever known a child who was always asking why? Usually, it's not because they really want to know why, but because they want to argue against your answer. Think about that. Teens, why can't I have the keys to the car, whatever their question is there's no good enough answer. They just want to argue the reason why because they don't think any answer we give is going to be good enough. So even if God did tell you why, would you be okay with it? It really wouldn't matter, would it? Because we're still without our child, especially in our deepest pain, I don't think it would matter. We would just want to argue with him and tell him why his reason isn't good enough. So we have to get to the point where we quit wrestling with it, and we become like Jacob, and we say, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me through this. I am not going to let this be wasted in my life. Even before Becca died, I, there's a verse in the Bible, Job 13, 15, and Job told God, even if you slay me, even if you kill me, I will trust you and I will serve you. And that has been my heart even before Becca died. And yes, that can be much greater of a struggle after the death of our child to still believe that and to still consciously make that decision. But I have continued through the tears and the sobbing and the anguish to speak that out to him and to tell myself that. A lot of times it's not easy to say it or to feel it but I say it anyway, God, even with my daughter, even with Becca being taken from this earth, I will keep trusting you. I don't understand it, but I trust you anyway. Like Peter said, where else could I go? And I would encourage you to make the same statement to God. You may ask, how can I say that when I don't believe it? Well, you can say that because it's true by faith remember when jesus went to a girl who had died and he was laughed at because he told the people that she wasn't dead but she was sleeping i believe that's matthew chapter 9 there was no doubt she was dead this girl was dead but jesus was speaking by faith what he knew to be true her spirit wasn't dead he was calling her spirit back into her body to bring life back to her on this earth Romans 4.17 says that God gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. And that's what Jesus was doing. And that's what we can do also in him. So we can say it, you can say it, you can in faith, even though you may not feel it, even though you may not quite believe it, you can still say, it doesn't matter what happens to me on this earth, God, I will trust you. Because you're speaking maybe what does not exist, believing that God has already done what needs to be done to make it true. And I can guarantee you, that if you begin to speak this over yourself, even if you don't believe it, even if you don't feel it, it doesn't matter what happens to me, God, it doesn't matter that my child's not here anymore, I will trust you. If you continue to say that, it's going to break something off of you because freedom happens when we surrender completely to the God who loves us more than we could ever imagine. We must begin to look past our pain and trust his love for us. Let me say that again. We have got to begin to look past our pain and trust his love for us. For those of you who would like a scripture to help you meditate with this, you'll find one in Habakkuk, that's the Old Testament, chapter three, verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read this from the New Living Testament. It says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. God made a way for us to be with him and with our children and those that we love forever. So no matter what happens here on this earth, there is more to come that is so much beyond what we are dealing with here on this earth. This passage gives me so much hope. I don't have to have the answers because I choose to trust the one who has them. And I trust that he is good, and that he's a perfect father. And there's a reason he's not giving those answers to me. And I choose to be okay with that. I choose to rejoice in the Lord with whatever measure or energy of emotions I have for that moment. And honestly, some days, it's a whole lot. And other days, it's not much at all but I have chosen to trust and believe that God is good and he's good all the time. He isn't just good when things are going my way. He's not my servant who will do what I want him to do at the ring of a bell. My God is bigger than any man and he's bigger than any tragedy. And the same God that I have is the same God that you have. And when I need to, I will follow the simple instructions of Psalm 46 verse 10. I will quiet myself before him and I will be still, and I will know that he is God, and I am not. The enemy wants us to believe that we are alone, but that is a lie. God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us, and you may be thinking, if that's true, why did he let my child die? He did leave me. He did forsake me, Many grieving Christian parents go through a time where they get angry with God and they turn their backs on him because they can't believe in a God who would take their child from them. But Jesus warned us that we would have tribulation in this world. He said in Romans chapter eight, I believe it is that he will work everything out for our good. So if he's going to work everything out for our good in some way, that means there has to be something bad, right? That verse wouldn't even make any sense. I want to read you something from a little piece from my journal that I wrote shortly after Becca died. So you can see some of my struggle with the anger and the frustration that I was dealing with. I wrote, Holy Spirit, why the despair? Why the weeping? Why the anger? For days now, why? What is going on internally that is causing all of this? I throw myself at your mercy and I cry out, help me. And I'm so angry that I'm even struggling like this. I feel so fake. How can I be a spirit-filled Christian and be struggling like this? How can I spend time with you for hours in some seasons and be like this? How can I be putting this prayer room to so much use and be so much in my flesh? See, I didn't understand. This was grief. I was thinking I should be beyond this, and not realizing that this was grief, and it was real, and it was valid. But the thing is, I knew better than to blame God. Even in my anger, I would talk to God about it, and I would bring all these emotions to him. But you can see I was fighting. We have to realize that God is not the cause of death. The enemy is. Yes, God could have stepped in and saved our child. And that is beyond what I can understand. I have a finite mind. I don't know why he didn't save Becca. And I don't know why he didn't save your child. But what I do know is there is no greater time for our need to have God at work in our lives than the death of our child. Because without God, there's no hope. And without hope, we'll be stuck in our pit of despair really, I feel like it's impossible to be neutral. We either move toward God, or we move away from him. But when we move away from God, we're moving away from the one who can give us the greatest strength possible to get through this. Like I said at the beginning, since this is such a big topic, I'm going to wrap it up for now. And next week, we're going to start with the second way of how to get past the why question. And now it's time for our birthday segment. We have three birthdays that I'm going to share. The first one is Flora Mae Sparger. Now, Flora is actually a stepsister that I never met. She was born on May 24th. She is forever 12 days old, and she would actually be 46. Sean Klein. His birthday is June 1st, and he is forever 33. And then we have Riley Whitehead. He was born on June 3rd, and Riley is forever 19. So we think about these, and God give them our love, and we celebrate with their families the day that they came into this world and what they mean and how important their lives were to us and still are. I would like to pray for us today to close out this podcast. Father, we thank you that even though we may not be able to see it, even though we may not feel it, we know that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives. Lord, that there is something for us here even if it is to live in a way that honors our child, Lord, help us to find that purpose to live that goes beyond the death of our child, to live in a way that honors the life of our child. And Lord, those who are struggling in their relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would reach into their hearts and love on them in a way that no one else can, that you would be their peace and their comfort. Lord, I thank you that in our turmoil and in our confusion, when we run to you, you are there. And you are there waiting for us. And Lord, it's okay for us to be angry. It's okay for us to question these things. I thank you that this is just not beyond you. The death of our child is not beyond what you can help. It's not beyond your peace. It's not beyond your love. It's not beyond your comfort. And so, Lord, I pray that we would surrender, that we would just fall into your arms of love and allow you to be our strength and everything that we need. Lord, bless each person who is listening to this in a way that only you can in our time of darkness and pain. Lift us up, encourage us, strengthen us, And Lord, give our children a big hug from us. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. Can I suggest something to you? If you have been enjoying these podcasts, maybe you can pay it forward if at all possible there are a lot of grieving parents out there who need the hope that god has asked gps hope to bring grieving parents sharing hope we do have a place on our website where you can donate and support this ministry whether it's a one-time gift or whether you would like to start supporting us on a monthly basis so that we can continue to reach out and we can increase what we're doing so that more grieving parents can find us and get the help and the hope that you've received that you can help other parents coming along behind you receive. So if you go to our website, gpshope.org, you'll find a donate tab, just click on that and give whatever God lays on your heart. We would really appreciate that. So with that, I just pray that you will have a week that is full of God's presence. However, he needs to be present for you. And we'll talk to you some more next week. Until then, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.